Before we start our show today, a word from our sponsors, Plesk. Plesk is more than just a control panel, granting you full flexibility to customize, manage, secure, host, automate, and control your web projects, as well as any underlying infrastructure. Plesk simplifies the lives of web professionals and gives you star features like one-click staging, cloning, syncing, plus automated mass management of multiple WordPress instances on your server and more. Have it your way. Find out more on plesk.com. This week's sponsor is EDD Bookings. EDD Bookings is the appointment bookings extension for easy digital downloads. Accept bookings online for consultations and lessons. Rent out venues for hours, days, or weeks at a time, or have clients book doctor's appointments online. EDD Bookings saves you time and money while providing your clients with a clean and simple booking process. Get it from eddbookings.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Mastermind FM. This week I'm joined by two individuals who have built and continue to build successful e-commerce businesses. And we're going to discuss just that, what it takes to make an e-commerce business successful. And these two individuals are our very own Jean Galia, as well as Michel Hymans, who is the CEO of Yoast. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Nice to be in the show. Hello. Thank you for being with us. First of all, we know a bit about Jean and we know a bit about myself, but we don't know much about Michel. So before we start, can you tell us a bit about your background and your role within Yoast? I started working at Yoast as uh, Yoast's first employee, actually. I had my own business, worked together with Yoast on uh, several projects, mainly being website reviews. It just became so much that it took up all my week, and we had a discussion, and Yoast asked me to join the company as a first employee, and I did. It's really fun working in the SEO world, especially with this guy, because he knows his stuff, uh, uh, and um, it's really nice to be so close to all the fire that was like 2011, 2012. Um, so we started working together and quickly grew the company to a couple of more people. Started hiring an office. Marike joined, Omar joined, and now the four of us uh, running Yoast. Having a hell of a time. It's really nice to uh, share this experience with the four of us. Currently, we have like uh, 100 employees. And it's, it's nice to just share the uh, joy and burdens of uh, uh, growing a company that fast with an online product like the Yoast SEO plugin, uh, obviously, and also the Yoast Academy, which Marika founded, uh, which is an awesome addition to all the things we do. For myself, at one point, we're just sharing things to do in the office and uh, all the staff departments are now my responsibility. So that's uh, facility management, that's uh, human resource, the finance department. And next to that, I'm working uh, together with Joost and a bunch of other people on our website. So that mainly occupies my day. Joined Joost, joined the board in, I think it was 2015 or so, um, became co-owner. Yeah, and again, it's good fun. We're having a lot of fun. So it's all positive story and uh, looking forward to sharing more of all the experience we have and had 
with all of you. Awesome. And uh, when you say 100 people, are they all based in your office or have you expanded to remote working as well? No, with a product like ours, it's uh, really important that you provide 24-7 support. Our premium plugin, one of the features is obviously support, so email support. And we have different people in different time zones, uh, varying from the United States to uh, Bangladesh, Philippines, uh, Spain, actually. Um, so we are a lot of people abroad. I think at the moment we have 79 people in the office and uh, approximately 20 abroad. Yeah. And that's in the field of support and also development. A curious a curiosity I have is when you grow a company that big, how many people are spent actually working on, uh, say, the plugin versus the admin part? And I don't know how maybe you could share with us how many people are working on the plugin, how many in general, how many, like even in terms of revenue, what kind of revenue comes from the plugin itself versus other things that you offer, like the academy and other stuff. The lighter part is still the plugins with the SSEO being our main product. Mm -hmm. Academy has a good share. From the 79 people that we have in the office, I think about 30 work in development and software development. And the teams vary from time to time just to maintain focus and get experts on various fields in different teams. We work project-based, so it varies, but it's, it's, it's a good share of the people that work here that are actually in the software development. And the others would be support and administration, I guess. Administration, so like I said, finance department, but also facility management. We have four buildings in our hometown in Wijchen, which all have to be maintained Everything that, that evolves around that. We have, at the moment, I think, four people in human resource. So it's also the additional uh, departments that, that grew the company like this. Yeah. Am I right in saying that you have a dedicated design team as well? Come up with your graphics? We have a dedicated design team. Yeah, let's not forget that, for sure. I think we're quite known for the illustrations we have and we use. Um, those are all built uh, in-house. So we have um, illustrators that come up with these ideas to translate our um, articles to uh, images. I've also seen you illustrating a lot. Me? Uh, uh, that's that's Instagram, right? <laughs> I love to sketch. No, I actually... At the conference, conference, yeah. Oh, yeah. Itself, but, uh, it was in you portion. saw a live drawing. Yeah, no, I love to sketch. Uh, urban sketching is one of the things that I really like to do, other than drawing eyes, actually, because uh, that's also something. Uh, my Instagram account is a bad log. It's really short. Look it up. It's both live uh, photographs and uh, and a lot of sketches indeed. Yep. But I'm not a professional. We have those professionals and they work for us. Yeah. I was wondering whether it helps you like understand content or does it help you in understanding facts of life? And in what way does this uh, hobby of yours, I guess, help you to learn or... Does it have that any kind of effect like that? Yeah, it's definitely so, something that I use to clear my mind, just to help me think, yeah. I think that's true. I also sketch a lot in meetings, just small drawings. Helps me focus, yeah, for sure. So walk us through, like, if you, you're at a conference and you went into, like, a session or what you would you be thinking in terms of what to sketch? It varies. I read a book, which is called, actually, Sketch. It's by French von Stone. French von Stone writes in the book, uh, sketch what you see. 
something that I also tell my children when they're out of inspiration and they want to draw something, they don't know what to draw, just sketch what you see. So, so in, the, in the current setup that we're talking, I see my computer screen, I see a laptop next to it, I see some drinks, uh, headphones. These are all things that you can use to yeah, actually s- stop thinking and, and start focusing. Yeah, Just, just r- draw what you see. Helps to grow ideas then, once you do that. Do you think it helps you remember stuff more or just creative or focus? Which one of the? It depends. I think when you combine it with some kind of word association or so, it, it can definitely help you remember, yeah. It's a nice subject when we are supposed to talk about SEO and conversion optimization, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I think I, it's, yeah, it's also a kind of optimization, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To optimize your business, you have to optimize yourself. Eh? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So getting into the actual optimization for business specifically. So let's talk about conversion optimization here. And conversion optimization is the idea that you're building your website in a way that helps your customer find exactly what they need and helps them complete the purchase, find what they need. Instantly, I have a remark on that. Sure. I don't think it's always about a purchase. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think conversion optimization is... The process where you set a goal, which might be newsletter subscription, uh, someone reading an article, which in that way structure might even be conversion optimization, right? Um, so it's a bit larger than just selling products. And in that way, uh, there's a lot of things that overlap with SEO as well. Because uh, you're actually uh, optimizing to give your user the best result and the, the result, the achieving the end goal, uh, which they want to achieve. Yeah. So basically I was focusing too much on e-commerce and the idea of actual direct purchase. Yep. Yeah. So it goes into content and what your goal is and what your sales funnel is at the end of the day too. For sure. If you have one. Yep. Yes. Very true. So in your opinion, what are the important parts of uh, building an e-commerce site to focus on optimizing for conversions? I think a lot of it is clarity. One of the things that we see a lot is people focusing on uh, specific product pages where in terms of SEO, you want to focus on your category pages instead because they usually optimize for a broader topic and probably the topic people are searching for. So in your conversion funnel, the uh, category pages might be the first ones to optimize before you optimize your product pages. And then from the category pages, people land on your product pages and um, there you have to just persuade them to push that call to action that you've set. I think there's really an overlap between uh, conversion and SEO. Category pages matter a lot. That would be my first step. Just a quick question about that. So, talking product categories, but if a website is focused on one product, mm-hmm. then you're completely skipping that step, right? Yep. Then it comes into do content categories come into play in the same sense? So, if you're working on content marketing, mm-hmm. does it work the same way? Do you focus on the categories of content rather than individual articles or would you focus more on individuals? That depends. What would be your goal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that exactly it depends. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think because uh, one of the common uh, conversion goals on an article page, the content page like that, would be a newsletter subscription. Usually those are found right below the article and the article is probably the thing that people land on from Google. So in that case, the uh, category page uh, is an extra to the actual blog article, blog post or whatever. 
So content marketing is might be a different treat than this because definitely if you're selling text, you're selling something else than, for instance, headphones. So an actual product, then I would focus on the category pages first, not forget the product pages. Let me be clear about that. And for blog content marketing, there's either the newsletter subscription or you might have that one product that you just talked about, which you could sell from within the copy. I think in both cases, you want to focus on good copy and make it contextual and persuade people within the copy already, right? Can I ask a question on this? Because my personal blog deals with various topics. It's about investing. It's about Mm -hmm. life lessons. It's about paddle, which is a sport. So it's totally different topics. And my constant struggle is how to make sense of it all and bring it. They are different topics, but I want people who land on the sports topics, the articles, Mm -hmm. continue reading the other articles on sports. And maybe if they're interested in investing, they can check that out as well. But I haven't been thinking about categories, really. I I do have the categories, but Mm -hmm. all I have when they they land on the blog posts is just that, and then maybe some three related posts. Yep. So when we talk about category pages, what exactly is a category page? On the blog, the category page would be, for instance, one of the topics you, you just mentioned. And in optimization, Mm -hmm. the first recommendation would be to add a proper introduction on that page. So add some actual content that makes sense for the category uh, topic and not to say for the the posts. So explain the topic. You might even add some internal links in there for uh, related topics. Um, And then just add excerpts for the uh, blog post itself. Um, I think that would be step one. Yeah. Also, check Google Analytics just to see if those pages get any traffic, right? And keep monitoring those if you've added that introduction to see if you're actually starting to rank a bit for those terms. And when we say add the introduction, that would be in the categories like the description, right? And WordPress. The description in WordPress, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Always skip that. <laughs> and we used a lot on Yoast.com as well. Just make sure that your pages are complete. To say. And so people would be accessing those pages after reading an article and clicking the category, or is it something? Uh, straight from Google, straight from Bing, straight from search engines, yeah. Because I mean, if you, I think in my case, if I just leave it as, as it is without doing anything, nobody visits the category page. Might be. The category pages could play an important role in your site structure. And with an optimized site structure, the flow of your website will just be easier both for your for your visitors and for Google. Um, so it just makes sense to make sure that all the steps people can take are re- really optimized. I don't think we ever gave that much importance to category pages. We didn't think of them in this far, going this far with them. I would definitely just see it as an, a, the next opportunity to optimize a website. And let's be honest, if one of the topics would be, for instance, finance or management or whatever, one of the broader generic terms, ranking there would be hard because there's a lot of competition for those terms. Um, but it would just make sure that the topic of your website is really clear and that the divisions on your website are really clear. And that just helps people. It's also like kind of uh, kind of like a, a user experience optimization. And in this user experience uh, and, and conversion also just overlap a lot. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You mentioned that that was the first part. So what other areas would you go into for optimizing for conversion? 
really important. And one thing that we pay attention to a lot is um, when you finally land on that product page, make sure that you speak the language of your audience and don't tell what's in your product, but uh, explain what it can solve for them, what it can do for them. Um, a lot of times, and we're a plugin developer ourselves, so we've been there. You are so excited about all the nice features that your plugin has, and you want to explain it all, and it's all really technical. And at one point, your visitor might just wonder, well, do I need all of this? What will this do for me? What is this going to solve for me? Um, and if you write straight from the top of the page, where you have the product name and then immediately the description, telling people what problem it will solve, how it will help them in their daily business, um, that's a much better trigger for them to actually purchase your product and see the value you give for money, right? So focus, focus on the benefit and then... Focus on the benefits for your user. Be clear about that. You probably will be writing those down and rewriting them and rewriting them again and evaluating them in six months and see what happens, see what, uh, how the product evolves, what new features you have. So it's a, it's a continuous process. All right. And then I guess you leave the technical side of each feature separate or put it on the page and give them the option of reading on. Yeah, just explain more further below on the page or on the next page, depending on how much you want to share with them. That's a nice one. I, I don't mind scrolling, so you can keep your page as long as you want. Yeah, so it's it's basically those things combined. So be really precise on what you're solving for the customer and then explaining how you're solving that. And don't forget to add some convenient uh, buy buttons in between. So not just on the bottom of the page, but also on top of the page. Perhaps it's someone that already knows your product and needs another one. So make it as easy as possible for them to purchase and make sure that you're being very clear about what you're offering. And with regards to copy, so before we mentioned, when you get to the features mm -hmm. uh, section of the page, for example, do you switch the way you explain things or do you stick to similar language you're using before? Do you get more technical in a way? Um, depends. If you're really sharing details, it might be just that. And that might not even be sales copy, right? But I would stick to a certain tone of voice just to make it consistent. So basically, there will be some technical things that you might have to mention because you want to make it clear for people that are actually searching for that. It's a bit the same with SKUs, product numbers. If you're searching for Legos, you might be searching for that specific box which might be number 33065 or so, and you just hit that in Google, search, uh, end up on that page. So if an, if an SKU, if it, one of those details is really important, make sure to highlight it a bit more. If you're selling headphones and you want to make sure people know there's no noise cancelling on them, make sure to put that somewhere in the main copy. I think most people that search for headphones will know what it is, but it's a technical detail. All right. I'm not surprised you brought up Lego there. <laughs> I have a Yoast one here, magnet. Ah, cool. Yeah, I have a downstairs. I have a couple of them. <laughs> uh, our hobby becomes something you do in a company. We actually build Legos uh, every December 27th with uh, all the families and all the kids. Mm. Get some lunch. Uh, it's a really fun day. And then we display all of those Legos in our office. So feel free to visit when you're in the neighborhood and and see how much we have actually yeah 
Yeah, so photos last time. I forgot who posted them. That was yeah, like yeah, a tour yeah. around your office. Someone had visited, and everything, every single photo had Lego something in it. Yeah, might be Jenna or Bridget. Uh, could be. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think so. Hi, Jenna Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a question, Mark. Can I ask a question? Sure. Uh, what about multilingual? Have you ever done anything with like different languages on Yoast or in Australia? For different languages, we actually had Yoast.nl, which is the Netherlands version, Dutch version. Mm -hmm. And we're currently working on actually uh, offering in, uh, uh, at least parts of the website in, in different languages, yes. That's really the process of how are we going to maintain this? Uh, how are we going to put the right text mm -hmm. on the right pages? Multi-site. How do we do that? And then obviously uh, optimizing all that for multilingual. Yep, we've been working on that. It's definitely a work in progress. So have you any, taken any decisions as to what the technical structure would look like or is it too early? It's, no, it's too early. And to be honest, I wouldn't be the guy to ask. Right. Okay, it's, it's quite tricky actually. I've been thinking about it lately, even for my own blog. And say in Spanish, when I write in Spanish, I need to consider the South American Spanish, which is written differently. The culture is differently. The way they understand certain things is different. Yep. So it's not even a question of which language your site's in, but which culture are you targeting? So it gets very tricky. It's true. It's true. Whenever I translate something myself, I usually try to just remember the... the um... Uh, the main content of a paragraph and just rewrite it. Because mm. usually when you translate one one, it's just not good. Yeah, it's very true what you say. Even when you write in English, you have to decide whether it's going to be British English or American English. Yep. Spelling of the words is different. Just make it more familiar to the user. Yeah. You can solve a lot of that with href lang tags, but it's it's yeah, it's a difficult mm. process. Yeah. We have courses for that. Cool. <laughs> Another related topic, in fact, is I don't think you have the affiliate program running anymore. And I've never seen Yoast itself, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never seen Yoast making a big use of an affiliate program. Is that right? No, that's, that's, no, yeah, that's true. That's true. The only uh, ads we have on the website are our own products and some of the uh, tools we're using, which became really good business friends. We promote those sometimes but only when it matters in a, in a blog post and not just to promote and i also meant uh, the other way around say like if i want to promote uh, uh, yeah. the people selling for us yeah we experimented with that but then you get a lot of people that just want to sell your products um, and um, you want to have some control over who sells the products and who doesn't you want to maintain a certain quality also in the websites that you're advertising on so no, the affiliate program we had ourselves is not on the website anymore. How does that work for you? It would work great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, in general, with, uh, since we run WP Mayer, mm -hmm. a good chunk of our income is through affiliate marketing. And, yep. and that would be mostly WordPress plugins and hosting. That makes sense. But it just struck me that one of the biggest uh, affiliates missing and our list is Yoast. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. I was wondering, not only just for us, but in general, why you took the decision not to use uh, affiliates. 
as a tool to grow sales and whatever and yeah. all the benefits of that. Yeah. Well, you never say never again, right? At the moment, it's not something we uh, discuss actively. Yeah. I think it also comes down to there's no need really for it from your end, right? You you already build the brand and you have enough exposure that you don't necessarily need that additional. True. A lot of what we do is also just giving back. Look at, for instance, we're one of the partners of the ED Post Status newsletter, Brian. But that's also just because of personal contact and then having a talk. Usually it's just things like that that, that make us do stuff like that, to sponsor something or, yeah. The quality argument I agree with, because that was the reason we had, we temporarily for now stopped the affiliate program on WPRS aggregator. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the applications coming in were websites you never hear of. Yep. People who just say, I want to make more sales. Literally, that's their only reason for it. So it takes more time to sort of weed out those people than to. Or to buy it for their own. Yeah, for instance. Yeah. yeah. At one point, you're just um, spending a lot of time on uh, administration and uh, payments that are really not that high. So there's a lot of work you have to do just to make sure that all those people are happy with the affiliate program you have. Um, and at one point for us, it just didn't work like that. It's been a while though. I did, yeah, it's, it's uh, true. So yeah. So if you do implement something like that, I guess it's quality control before you actually get anywhere. It's not just an open sort of yep. open call to anyone. Yep. yep. You want some control. Any other elements you wanted to mention? Let's take, for example, something I've been reading a bit about is FOMO. So the fear of missing out, for example. Oh, yeah. In certain advertising. I think um, there might be an ethical discussion there as well. You can just cause a line when you're targeting fear as one of your conversion reasons for one of your optimization uh, things that you do. It always works to say uh, only three left. But and, and for us, Dutch regulation says you can only say that when there are three left, period. We like the honest part of fear of missing out. <laughs> I totally get that it can make you a lot of money. And there's a lot of sites working where it works like Charm, like the booking.com or whatever website like that. I'm not sure it will, would work for us because when we say we're low in stock, that would just be ridiculous. But it's not necessarily just the case of low in stock. It could be... Fear might be the wrong word, but it's missing out on benefits, benefits yeah. of a product or a discount or something like True. that. True. And still, that would be a difficult question because, yeah, we tell people that our products uh, might make the rank higher. But the uh, ethical thing here is that we will not guarantee you the number one spot because we simply can't. If, if there's six websites that sell the same products and they all use our product, it's not all that's going to rank number one. We can't make it. We can't make that happen. We can help you in structuring all the efforts that you have, and we can help you in optimizing your website, um, so you'll have a much better chance to rank as high uh, as you can. And if that's number one, obviously awesome. But also, just climbing a couple of positions would be a really good idea. It would be a really good achievement for general terms. Spots one, two, three, those are really hard to get in because those will probably be people with high marketing budgets spending a lot of money just to achieve those positions. But a bit lower down the line, uh, just get to page one and keep optimizing your pages and try to climb a bit 
in there, that, that would be awesome, of course. And we try to explain that as good as possible on a product basis as well. So if you're talking fear of missing out in that way, uh, yeah, definitely works as a sales argument, but be honest. So it all comes down to the content. And so similar with sure. our, our plugin, ADD Bookings, we just relaunched it. Yep. We, we cannot guarantee that once you install the plugin, you're going to get that many more bookings because you're booking online. Mm-hmm. We'll help you get there, but you need to figure out how to promote it, how to build a brand, how to build a trust. I think that's a, that's a really, really important addition. There's always work for the website owner as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just a piece of software that will help you achieve amazing things, where I think we do a lot of those things automatically for you in the, the SSEO uh, plugin. We help a lot in the premium plugin, but it's definitely an effort of the website owner that will get him to the high position in Google, and that will also up his conversion. The thing is that we know Google, but we do not per se know the area of work that our customers are in. So there might be a bakery, that might be a consultancy firm, that might be whatever. And those are the experts on the products they sell. We're not. We can teach them how to optimize pages. Um, we cannot tell them to write other details on their products because they will know much better what their customers are looking for. Yeah, so very true. It's, it's not just the product we're selling. It's also what people do with it. So for you guys, that's where the courses come in as well in a way, right? You're helping them understand things. Definitely. Our mission is SEO for everyone. And one of the sayings we use a lot is you can give a man a fish and he will have something to eat. But if you teach him how to fish, he will have a dinner for a lifetime. What we do with the courses is also teach people how to optimize the website, similar way that we guide people in optimizing websites with our software. And same with the open source SEO plugin the free plugin. We have a free course because we think it's important for everyone to optimize the website. And the free course is same quality, same length as all the other uh, courses. And it will really help you to start your SEO from scratch. Uh, will help you to optimize your website. And if you want more insights, same as with our plugins, uh, if you want more, yeah, we have that and that's a premium plugin. The courses play a large part in, in, that, in that as well, in educating customers on also on a product, also on the plugin. Uh, out of curiosity, since you offer, you offer the plugins and then you offer courses, in terms of conversions, do you see people opting for the plugin first and then going for the course to learn more? Or do they find the course, um, learn a bit, and then opt to use the plugin? because they? I'm really curious how that develops. Um, we obviously started with a, a large user base on the plugin and then started selling courses. Um, the the uh, banners, the sales banners that you see in our free plugin obviously help sell courses. Uh, most of our courses, we just explain the topic at hand and not per se try to sell you any plugin or so. We do have a plugin course, obviously, and in our free course, we will also tell you how easy SEO will become on your WordPress website if you use a plugin. But it's not to say that we're uh, um, at this moment the plugin will drive more traffic to the courses. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the uh, break-even point of that. Yeah, have Have you seen uh, an increase in conversions for the plugin, for example, since you've introduced the courses? I don't think you can relay those one on one. 
Okay. We've Fair been enough. doing a lot of things, optimizing the website. Uh, 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 so it's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint that to just that. How about what other tools do you see people using in SEO apart from Yoast SEO on the website itself? Are there any recurring tools that you recommend or that you see people using a lot? I would definitely go for some speed optimization. I like WP Rocket a lot. That's a paid plugin. Uh, you can do a lot with WP Supercache. So that's definitely one that I would combine with, with the SSEO plugin. There are so many plugins that can help you optimize something on your website. And not only plugins, I mean services like Ahrefs, SEMrush, stuff like that. For analysis, definitely. And use all of them because they might tell you different stories or they might give you different numbers. Uh, Moss has some main things like domain authority. And, and so. So it's really uh, also depending on the data that they have. If, for instance, if you, you were talking about speed optimization, feel free to use the Google PageSpeed Insights, uh, but also check Pingdom. And a couple more, I really like the Google uh, Lighthouse, uh, which is in your um, inspector in the, in the browser, the audit. Just make sure to use a couple and see where there's overlap in, in the advices that they gave. Uh, that they gave. For instance, Pingdom allows you to pick a server that's closer to your hometown where Google will just test you from one server. So yeah, use multiple. And then there are a lot of search metrics. Screaming Frog is one that I really like where you can just insert your URL and it will give you all kinds of data on um, missing titles, 404s, whatever. So that's a really good one. Yeah, and make sure to make your website secure using Sucury or Platform or whatever. Use a CDN, a content delivery network, which really helps to serve your website as fast as possible. There are a lot of tools that you can use. Um, my, my main advice would be don't use just one. Yeah. Also, what I'm getting from what you're saying um, is that we need to be looking at not only SEO as like something really specific, but making sure the the site is secure, making sure it's fast. Yep. UX is good. Making sure it's delivered not only fast to us, but to people all around the world, if that's our target audience. Yep. So it's a very wide thing. And I think that you don't think in terms of, again, conversion or SEO as a topic in itself, but rather how can the website be the best for users all around the world? And that's, I yep. think, an important takeaway here. I think what do we call this holistic SEO. Mm, yeah. Uh, so, so SEO, which gets to, to multiple things from ranging from design to, to speed. And so quick check, I think we have some talks on WordPress.tv that are actually about this very topic. I thought I was going to do a quick search and see, but just Google holistic SEO, or Google holistic SEO or check WordPress.tv, uh, see holistic mm. SEO, and I'm sure you'll find one of the talks that Joost gave, Omrike gave, about this very topic here. Um, there's a talk from actually from 2015 already about Elastic SEO, where Joost addresses this very issue. It's not just optimizing titles and meta descriptions, it's optimizing the complete user experience. And as a result of that, this all will also help your conversion. All right. We'll add that in the show notes for sure. We'll add the link to the, the videos so the listeners can check those out as well. Awesome. You mentioned UX before as well. Yep. So combination of UI and UX is something I've been looking into 
for a while for our plugins, but for the website, mm-hmm. I've looked into it, but not as much. So how much of an impact do you think UI makes on having good conversions? A lot. Can I add something here? Uh, maybe you can relate it. Like for as an example, you have the prices in three different uh, currencies here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a part, an important part of user experience. Have you done any, can you tell us how it was before? I guess you were originally selling in euros and then you added these two. Yeah, we were selling in dollars. In dollars first. Yeah, in dollars first. And then at one point, the dollar took a steep dive. We switched to euros for a while, but that just makes your target audience, your your markets much smaller. We didn't do that for all the products, by the way, just a couple of products. At one point, we switched to all dollars and I think it's now since two years or so we're actually also might not even be two years we're also offering euros and we recently started adding uh, Britain pounds as well um, it's just convenient to pay in the currency that you know you don't want to do the conversion yourself before buying something you just want to know what you have to pay period um, so yeah we, we added that and back to the first question of Mark what was it again so in terms of UI, what, what would make an impact, whether it's having the right graphics, whether it's selection of fonts, selection of colors, whatever it may be. The UI instead of UX, right? Yeah, exactly. UI to contribute to the UX at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Main thing is appealing. We actually have a brand manager who is actually just making sure that all the elements on our website um, fit the rest of the website and fit the um, way we want to present our, our brand consistency I think that's really important and again on the product pages as we discussed before it's really important to get to the point really fast and then uh, elaborate on that I think that's also something that a good UI will fix for a lot of people in terms of fonts it depends just don't go too small people hate small print and definitely if your whole website is small print is there any specific thing that brought you to this question. I'm thinking a bit along, along the lines of sort of a co- having a cohesive design across either multiple sites or multiple sections of your site. So taking Yoast as an example, you have the, the product side instead of turn to the plugin, mm-hmm. then the courses and you have the educational material or other plugins with ours, for example, we have the main website, then you can have a demo site that should be separate. You have a documentation site, of course. So I'm wondering how important it is to keep the same sort of brand identity and the same design across all uh, projects that you're running. I think it's very important. We've recently switched the color of our buttons. I don't know if you have seen that. We switched from orange to yellow. And when we make a, a change like that, we do this consistency, uh, consistent and we um, do this in, in MyOS, in our admin platform. Uh, we do this on our course pages. Uh, we really try to just make sure that it's consistent and people just recognize that they're at Yoast. It's basically just making people feel it home. It's kind of like the breadcrumbs. If you land on the page, you want to know where you are in terms of site structure, in terms of brand. So yeah, make it consistent and make it a pleasant user experience. If there's something on your website that you don't like yourself, your customer will probably don't like it either. So just make sure to test yourself once in a while 
or just ask a friend or so to visit your website, go over it and tell what he likes and not likes. Yeah, I was going to say about that because when you're the one building it, you're not necessarily always going to notice no. every detail. No, you probably miss details because you're just um, yeah. caught up in what you're doing on the website. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd like to jump back on the pricing thing just because I don't think there's anyone else. At least I haven't seen anyone else in Europe doing it in terms of WordPress plugins. And so I think a lot of us could learn from Yo's experience on this. So could you tell us how it works? Because I'm seeing the website here and switching from, say, pounds to euro Mm -hmm. is the symbol that changes. The price remains at 79 for Yoast SEO and same for the other plugins as well. So this is kind of uh, Apple used this technique more or less between the US dollars and euro pricing. at least for our habit. It, it depends because when you switch to euros, it actually becomes 89. And it all has to do with conversion costs, currency currency exchange rates, and things like that. So in a lot of uh, cases, the price... So just, I'm, saying, I'm seeing $89, 79 euro, and 79 pounds. Exactly. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. But as a, as a British user, I don't know if that's what really happens, but let's say I go in and I switch from euro to pounds and I see that 79 is the same figure. Mm-hmm. I might feel that I'm paying more no, than, than I should be paying. It depends because there are actually a lot of, might be some side something, but the payment provider costs really take a good share of the cost that, that online businesses have. Right. Costs for like PayPal or credit cards, uh, they all add up. And for us, euros are, so to say, the common currency. It's what we pay our uh, um, suppliers with. So it makes sense to see what the total costs are just beyond just the price that's on the website, but also on administration costs, currency exchange rates, uh, and things like that. And taking all that, uh, in consideration, we came to this price. But it's, I think one of the things that uh, um, is really important in this is you have to know where you're selling your products. Uh, we keep track of sales in countries and, and everything like that. So we know our top 10 countries where we sell. In those top 10, all three of the currencies are are in the top 10. So it's the UK, it's, it's um, uh, a lot of the Euro, uh, uh, European Union, and it's uh, obviously the US. Um, but also Australia. So we're looking at, should we incorporate the Australian dollar as well? Um, does it make sense? Will that pay off? Uh, Can- uh, Canada is a large market for us as well. Canadian dollar. But all, yeah, just keep asking yourself, does it make sense to add it? Will it, uh, in the end, uh, yes, it will make payments easier for people living there. But will it also help us? It's all a lot of administration as well. It's a lot of work to supply different currencies, to, to provide different cu- currencies. Um, so it's a lot of things that you have to take in consideration. Yeah. So the prices are fixed uh, before and they don't change on a daily basis? Definitely not, no. That would be just adding 10 more people to our office, right? Yeah, because like, for example, those who allow Bitcoin payments have this system where Bitcoin fluctuates a lot, so you want yep. to have it really in real time almost. Yeah. 
but it's very interesting to me to see. Obviously, I get that because we run into the same issues ourselves when cross-border payments cost much more. So mm -hmm. yep. it's more expensive for us to accept pounds than euro. Yep. But uh, it's interesting that I understand from this is that people living in the UK would be happier to pay pounds, yep. even though when they make the switch from euro to pounds, it seems like they are paying more for a product that they should be paying less if they take into consideration euro as the base it's price. True. It's true. And when we get questions about that, we'll definitely explain how and what. The thing is also that you might want an invoice with your own currency as well. So it helps in that as well. It, mm. yep. It's just providing extra service, I think, when you provide different currencies. The problem I see as a seller is how that how does that reflect then in WooCommerce or EDD bookings, which is the one we're using. Since I think there's like one currency for the store. Yep. Must be some clever hack. Uh, I think that no, I think that's your answer as well. You need a couple of stores. And then there's all kinds of optimization, so you don't have to insert all your content three times and so. But uh, yeah, it's true. So you're using WooCommerce for this or yeah, we're using WooCommerce on the, on, the, on the website. And we have three stores right. in the end. Yeah. But it seems transparent to the user. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the actual prices, what I noticed on the OS website as well as the license selection. So you do something which I don't think I saw on any other sites. On other sites, including ours, use your selection of, for example, a single site, two to five sites, up to 20 sites. Whereas you guys have a selection of license by license. And then you up, you add a discount, right? Yep. True. So what was the reason behind taking that approach rather than the sort of pre-selecting? Pre-selecting on the website already if people want one or five licenses or so. Yeah. The thing is that on your product page, this is actually conversion. You want to focus on just uh, selling that product and not per se adding more options for the product. If you're selling t-shirts, you obviously want to sell that in blue or white or whatever. With software, that's not the case. So we added the, the model, the, the uh, pop-up, so to say, where you can indeed choose multiple licenses. And we optimized that process for people buying one license because most people are just buying one license. But there are, also, there are always questions of people that ask us, can we buy more and what's the discount? So this actually saves some support. It provides the answers as people are buying the products. So it's just, again, really convenient and helps in that way. It can help drive more sales, I guess, as well. Because in support, what I've seen with our plugins is that we get questions. If someone wants, let's say, a license for three sites and ours jumps from one to five, yep. they think they're paying too much because they're getting the five, yep. not... Uh, three. In the end, it's not true, right? Because you, your five license is probably cheaper than your three license or exactly, exactly the same. Um, we've, we've tested this. We've been testing with steps, like one license, five license, ten license, etc. And then we added one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, we just monitored which options were clicked. And if people needed the two license option, I can imagine people buying two license option to use on a test site, staging server, whatever, and the live site. So yeah, for us, it made sense to, to test this and see if it works, and, and it works. It helps people decide and purchase. All right. I think this is the key, actually. Decision paralysis that I've 
gone through myself, you know, when I'm trying to decide whether it's one or five or 10 licenses. Yep. Just because I need three now, but maybe I'll need another one. So yep. it would be much more easy. Like I need two, I'm sure I'm happy about that. Let's buy two. It is, it is. You don't have to go to support, then you're speeding up the whole process and you're avoiding the risk of the person buying something else as well. Getting back to the very beginning of our conversation, you defined uh, conversion optimization. Mm -hmm. Uh, Conversion optimization is also lowering support requests because it just saves you time and money. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just about being clear what you're selling. All right. We discussed a lot of ideas, some of which you guys have tried out yourselves and you've tested things out. So how often do you try out different methods, different ideas at Yoast? Constantly, yeah, every day. It's on the go. We just, yeah. You try to find the balance between constantly trying new things and sort of sticking to the ones that could work? Um, or do you just figure it out over time? No, we also work with uh, um, uh, conversion optimization companies uh, like AG Consult in Belgium. I think when you stop learning, then you might just wait and see your site go down. I think you have to improve yourself all the time. You have to improve your site all the time, improve your products all the time. Um, it just makes uh, life much more fun. Yeah, it's uh, it, and then again, that's conversion optimization, but it, that's also search engine optimization for ourselves. That's also UX optimization, that's UI optimization. All these things need to happen all the time. And um, if you're lucky, you're able to immediately solve a problem or have an awesome team like we have that jumps on the problem and makes sure that customers are held, uh, that the website performs better and and things like that. Yeah. For sure. Are there any sources that you use daily across the team, like books or sites or podcasts that you would recommend across all the topics that we've mentioned? I like yours. <laughs> I put that blog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the, the, the blog. Uh, this this uh, actually was at a WordCamp uh, talking to some people, and I mentioned that we're going to do this podcast on the Mastermind. They were like, yeah, it's a, a really good podcast, and uh, people in the WordPress community uh, listen to it a lot. And so that was really nice. I think, is there one source for that? Again, I don't think so. Like you're using multiple tools, use multiple sources, talk to the team. Talk to the, uh, talking to Joost, Marieke and Omar uh, will also will always bring new ideas into the company. Uh, we spend a lot of time just chatting about what we're doing and, and where we want to go. So that's, that's really important. Online resources uh, depends on your field of work. Let's say SEO. If we, if we would say just SEO, since people listening will be listening mostly for the SEO lessons here, but are there any sites that you would recommend? Like, uh, start with the, uh, the the Google blog, obviously, mm-hmm. just to make sure that you know what's going on there, what new things are that they are working on. The uh, one of the things that I like is Barry Schwartz's blog, as you Roundtable. There are a couple of those that are really really interesting to watch. People that take another angle on SEO, for instance, this, just keeping track of the Google patterns. It's a really nice way to see what's happening in SEO. Yeah, you, you can follow the main uh, mainstream blogs that just 
share a, a ton of information on a daily basis. Um, I'm just not sure that's going to help you uh, in your own SEO game. That will just be developments, and those will be on multiple blogs. Um, just find the ones that really give some edge to what you're doing. And for those like solopreneurs who don't have the benefit of a team, are there any places you would recommend for discussions, like forums or Twitter, whatever, where you can get some feedback? I would definitely go for Twitter in that. Twitter is just a good, good as a, as a news resource. Mm-hmm. Um, just follow some hashtags, uh, follow some leaders in your f- field of work, and just talk to a lot of people. So conferences as well would be a good idea. Yeah, for sure. Are you still doing the YoastCon? Definitely. YoastCon is going to be February 7 and 8, 2019, next year. Awesome speakers. Keep a keen eye on our Twitter, on our website, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, all will be revealed very soon. <laughs> That's going to be an awesome conference. We're going to do talks, workshops, have a lot of fun. So put that on your list, isn't on there already. Good one. Mark, are you going? <laughs> you meet a lot of, lot of, <laughs> I'm definitely there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And do you go to any others apart from WordCamps, uh, especially in Europe? Uh, it depends. With, with the, the size of company we have, uh, uh, people go to uh, a variety of conferences, obviously, uh, from developer conferences to, to marketing conferences. But with the main thing with conferences is just be sure that you have a goal for that as well. Mm. It's just going to a conference to see if you can get some knowledge there. Probably not the best idea. Just make sure that you have set a goal and you know what you're going to do on that conference and know that you're going to take something home. And please share with the rest of your team. I'd love to go. Yep. Definitely go to Yoastcon. Speaking of which, where can people find more information about you, about Yoastcon, about Yoast, the plugin? It's, it's all on our website. It's all on Yoast.com. Uh, Y-O-A-S-T. Go there. We have a menu that is... Uh, that will take you to, for instance, uh, the plugins, uh, uh, the courses. Uh, Yoastcon is definitely on our homepage as well. And uh, related to this, if you were listening earlier to my questions about uh, the blog categories, yep. uh, the Yoast website is a great place to uh, see what Michelle was uh, talking about in the blog category pages. I've checked them out during while we were speaking, and uh, they gave me some great examples right. to use on my own site. So. Right. Good luck optimizing is what we always say. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So do you guys like to add anything else or close off? Thank you for having me. Thanks for being with us. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.